welcome to Jimmy Kimmel Live. I am your guest host, Sarah Silverman. I am the first person to ever cover a shift for their ex on national television. <laughs> According to the 2020 census, for the first time in history, the number of white people in the U.S. is on the decline. <laughs> This has got to be a scary time for racists. And Applebee's. <laughs> Sarah Silverman, comedian and former girlfriend of uh, Jimmy Kimmel, who does... Uh, Live with Jimmy Kimmel, right? Yeah, she's, On ABC. I gotta tell you, for whatever reason, she's not my favorite. Person. I like her. You I thought do? that was great. I thought that was great. I do like. Well, I mean, I thought that was great, but I just don't. I don't know what it is. She kind of rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what it is. Anyway, I first met Luke Bryan's mom, Leclaire, when she was outside Luke's bus, sitting on a 60 gallon roll cart trash can, wearing a bathrobe and smoking a cigarette with an ash as long as Freebird. I'm going to share the story with you from 2009, the first time. Mama LeClaire and I ever laid eyes on one another coming up during this episode. My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old, put in a loyal 26 years. Welcome to my second act. I'm Preston Thompson. I'm the producer of the My Second Act podcast, a University of Alabama graduate and the show's resident millennial. Welcome, PT. I like that. Okay, my name's Don, and I'm Caddy's wife. So um, I know everybody is like sitting on the edge of their seat. Like the audience was at the Grand Height last week for yes. Elevate Live 2021. For Yeah, for what how, how this public speaking thing finally came out, came down. So um, it was fine. You know what? I don't think we did great. We did. I don't think we were horrible. I don't think we were horrible. We could have done much better. But well, that's... I think you could have. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's a little joke. We we are very hard on ourselves. Yes. Not each other, but well, we are, but but on our uh, on ourselves, and and we could have tightened it up. We could have. Um, um, Which okay, I'm not yes. going to go back. All right, to, I'm let's not go gonna, ahead. Go ahead. Well, go I'm ahead. not going to go back through this, but I said to you when we had all these segments, what did you say to me? I said if we only have 30 minutes, yeah. that means each segment has to be like five minutes or right. less. But each segment is right, the five minutes max. But many of them were less. There could have been a segment that was 45 seconds. It so wasn't you bank work that way. But anyway, minutes and it was all seconds. fine. I will tell you this: the only thing, the thing that freaked me out was going up the stage because I didn't want to fall. Mm-hmm. Because I had on kind of a, a, a stacked heel. And then the second thing is, well, there's three. Going down the stage, I didn't want to fall again. But the third is the stage was squeaky. It was. And I kept thinking, like, what in the hell? What if this stage falls? Now, that would have been an exit and an intro. Okay, but but it was a, a three-foot riser. I mean, it's not like we were on a stage that they shipped down from Bonnery or something. No, 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 no. And I think if it had been a stage from Bonnery, it would have been better. Because we, we were almost like audience level. You wanted to be higher than the audience. Yes, I was. Okay. Anyway, um, you know, because there's a thing about like how you are levels. I got to tell you a very funny side story. Sidebar. Okay. There we used to work at the radio station. We had this boss and he would always come in. Our big boss would always come in and yell at our sales manager who we loved dearly. And so the sales manager was always sitting down when the big boss would come in. And so we all got together because we could hear through the wall what was going on because we'd all get over on like one cubicle and hear everything. And we were like, listen, the next time he comes in, you need to stand up because you've got to put yourself at eye level with the person who's like getting on to you or talking to you or whatever so that there's no, you know, the balance of power is not interrupted. So he's like, that's a great idea. I'm going to do that. So the next time the big boss came in, our boss stood up and the big boss goes, sit your ass down. And it probably wasn't that kind, uh-uh. actually. And, and like, he was like, I tried. It didn't work. Yeah. 
So I think that was part Did of it. Did y'all set him up, though? You knew what you were doing. No, you, you we knew, didn't. You, uh, yes, you no. knew something like that was going to happen. No, no, we didn't. All we right. just wanted him to come out better. But the point of this was, I think if the audience, if we had been, if I had been higher than mm. the audience, then I offered. It, it would have been better. But I think it all went okay. I don't know that we're going to get, like, I don't know that we're going to get a bunch of public Donna, speaking a, engagements. There's a tour booked. Really? Yes. So, okay. I mean, we have to look at some tape and take some notes and, and figure out how to do it better. And that's easy to do. And you had a wireless mic and I was holding a mic. I would have rather held the mic, to be honest with you. So I didn't know what to do with the mic, though, when you were, like, talking. I was like, kind of, hmm, twirl it. Did you, did you, Just yeah. twirl around. Daddy, daddy, watch me twirl. That's the okay. great, the next had died yet, the great Leslie Jordan. Okay. Anything else you have to say? Do you want me to do the whole routine from no. Leslie Jordan? Anything else you want to no, wrap up? We'll, we'll well, we do talked better. a lot about this. And, okay, I know. We want to talk well, about this, our walk-up song? Yes, talk about the walk-up song. No, you talk about it. Okay, I'll talk about the walk-up song. We got an email um, like 24 hours before we spoke, and they said, hey, what do you want your walk-up song to be? So I threw it out on Facebook and got some great, great recommendations, and uh, we took none of them with us to the event, and we went with a song called Better Life from Keith Urban, and I wish I had the lyrics in front of me, and I don't, but it, we picked up where he talks about uh, basically we're broke-ass people right now and, and just have each other or something, and we're going to win the lottery, and <laughs> things are getting better or something, better life, sing, sing, ya, ya, or something, I don't know, but. Yeah. Something like that, right? Yeah. The good news was all the other really amazing speakers came up to us afterwards and said, oh, my gosh, you guys were great. Okay. But, but what would they say? <sighs> Seriously. Yeah. I mean, they weren't going to. Well, what they could have said is, we'd like to take you under our wing to make you better speakers. Nobody did that. And I think that's a statement. That yeah, I think it's good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. That's a wrap. The world knows today Coca-Cola. If you are listening to the podcast in the Atlanta area, you are seeing a TV campaign blitz right now. Uh, that is seven figures. So that would be over a million, right, Donna? That's right. Okay. That's a big ad buy for the four major TV stations here in town. And the buy comes from a group called Consumers Research, and they claim to be an educational nonprofit dedicated to consumer information. Well, Atlanta is the world headquarters of Coca-Cola. And this Consumers Research Group, they're coming after Coke for a couple of things. Number one, some shady relationships with China. And number two, uh, they're, they're claiming that Coke is responsible for giving everybody the sugars in America, basically, is what it boils down to. Yeah, it's like all the Which ills of the world ridiculous. are Coke's problem. Yes. The labor practices in China are the, what's in question there. So these people decided to do a parody of the most, I think, the most iconic Coca-Cola commercial in the history of the company from 1971 the hilltop ad will include the commercial much to brian henry's dismay in the letter uh this saturday text left on red red is the color red no spaces to the number 22828 um brian henry is general counsel for north america for coke and i reached out to him for a statement and he sent me back a statement saying that he couldn't provide a statement well, I, I would imagine it, it, that. It, well, what he provided also wasn't really even a statement. It was a text message from his phone. We were texting. He was He's our neighbor, so we're texting on the back decks to one another. I didn't suspect that he would be able to say anything. because, no. Well, I know, Donna, but I felt that as a host, it was my duty and my responsibility to reach out and, and invite him at least. At the highest level. 
Right. He's he's as high as they go with the attorneys in Atlanta based Coca Cola. So proud of him. In North America. And he that just he just got that gig. I've been with him for decades, but August first he started. And I said we're proud of Brian. Very. So um the Hilltop ad, you see all the diverse young people and they're I think it was Italy was where they filmed it and they sing about their desire to buy what? The world a Coke. So this is a parody of that song you just heard. Just drink Coke, the road to obesity. And you see an overweight, uh, overweight child pouring themselves a glass of uh, dark soda. But, of course, they want you to think that it's Coca-Cola. Yeah, I'll tell you, this caught my eye. I can't remember what I was watching because you hadn't seen it at the time. I had not. And I was watching TV and then this ad came on. And, of course, it does have that little kind of catchy thing. And then at the end, it said... You know, the, the logo came up and it said Coca-Cola. And I'm like, wait, what? what Looks was very that? similar to the Coca-Cola logo. Yeah. And so I, re, I you know, hit the Imagine rewind, watch the whole thing again. And I'm like, wait, this is really. So then I'm like, I go down these rabbit holes like you do. And I went to, I typed in, you know, to Safari, like, you know, what, who's behind Coca-Cola and came up with the whole information. And, you know, a couple of things. I just, it definitely, it serves its purpose. Let me tell you, it gets people's attention. I feel like, you know, you're responsible for your own actions in life. And so, you know, there are some things that I think big brands can be consumers can have issues with. Like if, if you do so, if you if you're using something that is a daily product, um, talcum powder, uh, you know, maybe well, I'm just saying there are there are things that are used with the intent and purpose to use them. And then you find out later there was a huge lawsuit against talcum powder. People made, you know, got millions in that. My point is, is if you're using something the proper way and by no fault of your own, there there is and was a problem with the product. Then that's kind of different. You know, all of the um, the information is on a Coke can. How much sugar is in there? I'm drinking you, one right now. Yeah. Do you want to know? Yeah. Um, A lot. Yeah. Yeah. I can't read it. Well, and I mean, Coke, you know, it's it's like for me. 140 calories. Coca-Cola, it's like two sides of the brand because it's such an iconic Atlanta brand. And it is part in a weird way of our history of Atlanta. So it is in some ways, I think, like a beloved brand. But at the same time, there's always kind of been this cloudy, murky stuff with with the health of Coca-Cola and everything. I was addicted, flat out addicted to Diet Coke. For probably there could be worse things. No, but I mean, like for twenty years, to the point that I would drink just a ton of them. Yeah. I mean, tons and tons and tons and tons of them. So I do think there is a portion of it that, like, it's almost like. Wait, but 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 you decide to do that. Oh, absolutely. You can't put that on coke. No, no, right? no, 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 yeah. no. But I gained a lot of weight during that time. So I, I mean, I do think that there are, but it's not. They're not misleading the public. It's it's there. It's there, and if for you to look at and see what you're drinking. So I don't know. I've seen it a handful of times now on the Atlanta TV stations. And you're right. If you are not even watching the TV, say uh, I'm in the kitchen cooking dinner, you hear that opening three, four, five notes and you stop what you're doing and you spin around because again, it's the, I believe the most iconic Coca-Cola commercial in the the history of the company. And so it catches you. Um, I think that that also is a disadvantage for Coke that they are, you know, 1971. I don't know that they knew, of course, they didn't know that that commercial was going to take off the way that it did. Uh, and that song was going to become, you know, a massive, massive hit because of the commercial, kind of like um, like a rock for Chevrolet, yeah. where the commercial becomes bigger than the song itself. Yeah. Um. So I um I think that they're at a disadvantage because of that. Uh, people are going to recognize the song and, and, and by default. And we learned this in terrestrial radio. It's 
how do I say this? It, um, people sometimes are slow to react to things and, and they may be so trained to believe that it's the original, that this, this parody for the consumers research people uh, is the real thing. And it's kind of like jamming the radar is what we used to call it. Radio. Oh, no, I totally agree. And I think it's really disturbing when you see the child, you know, holding up his shirt Shooting himself with insulin with insulin and that type of thing. So I think you're absolutely right. I think there are people who would think like, wait, is this something that Coke is doing in a weird way to like, you know, they're coming out with some new formula to ch- to change a more healthier form. I mean, I don't know, but I totally, totally agree that that happens all the time. And I do think that I've heard that, again, TikTok revolution, that there are these kids now you know, teenagers and stuff who are coming against the brand because they're like, you know, they're like, we didn't know. We didn't know. Okay, well, let's wake up, children, you know. You can get the sugars from Little Debbie. Yeah. You know, or I mean, come on. I, I just think that it's crazy that they're trying to pin uh, Coca-Cola with uh, people who are overweight, obesity. An obesity epidemic is what uh, I'm reading. Here's what they say. A uh, couple of things from Coca-Cola. Uh, they have denied that they use any forced labor. Anywhere, but also in China and other health concerns related to Coke beverages. The company has, quote, taken steps to help people reduce the amount of sugar they consume in the U.S. and around the world. I threw this out on the Cadillac Jack uh, podcast Facebook page. Uh, Podpeep Alan Cofield uh, writes, as a dedicated Coke customer for 50 plus years, I have walked away from the brand. They have chosen who they are, aligning with, and it's not their most dedicated customers. Whatever that means. Thank you, Alan. As for diabetes, blame the consumer. Exactly. We knew and know what Coke is, and we still drank it. Can't fault the brand for that. If we had stopped buying it, they would have changed. But we didn't, so they had no need to. Pot peep Rhonda Cheek wrote, As much as I hate it for Coca-Cola, some of what the commercial says is true, but I don't know how they can put all the blame on such things as diabetes on Coke alone, which they can't. And they're not they're not doing that in these commercials, but they're certainly warning you to think that, you know? Well, I think, they're, yeah, they're just trying to, you know, kind of, it's a scare tactic. Coca-Cola. Can you bring a large pot of water to boil? I can do that. If you can handle that, then you got the cheese raviola parmarosa from Dinner Affair in the bag, right? Yeah, and it, and it literally comes in a bag. It was so good. We had it last night. You get a sauce, you heat over medium heat. Uh, I'm sorry, you uh, what? You, you heat it over medium heat, yes. Add ravioli to the boiling water, cook eight to 10 minutes, drain ravioli, toss with warm sauce, and you're done. Yeah. That's it. You can have like a little side salad and some bread if you want. You got a whole meal. The most difficult part of the three instructions there for this particular dinner from Dinner Affair, uh, bring a large pot of water to boil. The sauce, by the way, the chef created sauce for this dinner is it, it's a it's kind of a twist on. It's got an Alfredo base, but then some tomato sauce and diced tomatoes and some uh, some garlic and some parsley. Uh huh. Some notes. Yes. Thank you, Don. <laughs> They have three, six, and 12 meal options to choose from, so you're able to get the number of meals that work for you and your family, and uh, the meals can be frozen, and I've had a couple of people ask me about this. All the meals can be frozen until you're ready to cook them, and then you just pull one out like I did uh, before we came here to the App and Podcast Network. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I pulled out, but it's going to be delicious. Well, and the other thing is, like, we we gave away two meals to some friends um, this month who had some things going on, and... You know, there's nothing you have to do. They come wrapped in the butcher paper and you can literally, you could put them in a gift bag. You could just give them to them. But the directions are there 
And it's a great way to, um, like we've said before, if, if you know someone and you, you want to order meals for yourself, but then maybe you need to do something for, you know, your parents who live around here or friends or family that are going through a tough time. It's easy just to gift someone one of your meals and it's, they're great. Great. $30 off your first order. Enter the promo code CADDY2021. C-A-D-D-Y 2021. Perfect for families. Uh, Pod Peep Cheryl says, I tried chicken piccata as our first meal because I wanted to compare their quality to mine. Now, you would think that, that Cheryl's probably going to lean on hers, right, Donna? Because it's her her, her, her homemade chicken piccata. Theirs was better than mine. Mm. Cheryl wrote to me, I don't know whether to be happy or sad. Paired it with steamed broccoli, leftover spaghetti noodles, and a good vore. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. V-O-U-V-R-A-Y? <laughs> we, we don't know. Put a Google on that, PT. We'll right. pick it up at the end of the episode. Okay, go ahead. Maybe it's a wine. Okay. So, uh, thank you, Cheryl. Dinneraffair.com. Dinner, A-F-A-R-E.com. I have two notes here real quick. I want to say that it's Donna's birthday week. Uh, yes, it is. Donna's birthday is this Thursday, the 19th. That's right. Is that right? Yes. Yes, that's right. I said it, that's right. Yes. And as a Leo, I spend a lot of time telling people how fabulous I am. So if you're a fellow Leo, like I'm, it's funny, I met a Leo the other day because I they told me, that, oh, my birthday's this month. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. He goes, I know. Aren't we great? And I'm like, yes, we're so great. We spent like 15 minutes telling each other how great we were. Unlike you, the Geminis who what do we do now? Well, there's what two we two sides of the coin. A Gemini is a split sign, uh-huh. so there's um, Jekyll and Hyde. You know what I mean? Which is my real name. That's right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I believe that. Uh-huh. We have a small ask. Give you three things if you are able and you are to do this right now, please. Number one, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything coming up. Number two, invite and encourage three people in your circle wherever your friends are uh, to enjoy the podcast. Listen to the end of each episode. And number three, show our sponsors some love. Gallery Furniture, Gainesville, Dinner Affair, the Paramount Hotel Group, including the properties Home to Suites by Hilton, Hampton Inn by Hilton, Town Place Suites by Marriott, and promotional consideration given by Napa Auto Parts and National Vision. 44 years ago this week, Elvis died. Now, don't worry, Donna. I'm not going to add Elvis to the Spotify Hypes on Playlist. I like Elvis. You go first, and then I'm going to okay, throw mine Okay, so up. we're adding hype songs right now. So my hype song is Millionaire by Chris Stapleton. I know you're not. Are you a Chris? I'm a big Chris I'm, Stapleton I'm, I'm, fan. I'm getting there. I, I, I love Chris Stapleton. In the beginning, I really wasn't. I, I wasn't. love him. Yeah. And we've talked about Chris Stapleton before. If you meet him, his beard and his hair, more his Reeks hair. Of weed. No, no. It smells of notes of patchouli and like vanilla We've talked about this in a previous podcast. He keeps podcast. rolling papers in his beard. No, he doesn't. You he tucks to, them in there. You need to stop. You need to stop. Rolls one up. You need to stop. He, he smells so good. And so you think he's going to be like, you know, sometimes like you meet people and they're kind of hippy trippy and you think, mm, but he smells delightful. So, and that's what it's all about, right? Absolutely. Not the conversation, no. but the smell. The smell. Okay. What do you add? Is that it? Yeah. Uh, we lost Nancy Griffith. But don't worry, Donna. I'm not going to add a Nancy Griffith song to the hype song list. Good. She passed at 68, was a a music ambassador of, of every genre of music, although she could be classified as alt. A lot of hits, love at the five and dime, Lone Star State of Mind, and one in particular that she released in 1988 called Outbound Plane, which became a top 10 hit on the country chart for Susie Boggess back in 1991. I do not know the song. You do. I don't. I'll cue it up to the end of the episode. We'll play. You, you'll remember it. Okay. Don, I went down this rabbit hole. This was Sunday night. And I, I wound up on Susie Boggess' YouTube. And, okay, that's and, a rabbit hole. Well, listen, and you, I'd forgotten all the hits that she had back in the early, mid to late 90s. Hey, Cinderella. You know that one? Yeah. 
drive south? Yep. You don't. You're just no. You're, I do. You're, you're just patronizing me. <clears throat> no, I do because Susie Boggess. I mean, she she was a lead, 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 lead female in country music. Yeah, I do. Letting go was yep. a song for her. Aces. I do not know Aces. Mm-mm. Um, so I, I wound up for hours watching um, Susie Boggess videos on YouTube. That sounds like a fun night. Well, and I also purchased like oh her, her her top best 20 hits okay. for forever for like $7.99 on iTunes. I think you could argue 20. I don't know that she had 20. 20 hits. 20 hits. hits. Well, it's, it's Susie Boggess' greatest hits, 20 of them. Oh. Right? That seems, I think they're shooting high with that. Yeah. I found her on Instagram and she posted a photograph uh, over the weekend of uh, uh, she having dinner at her home with Kim Carnes and Kathy Matea. I was, it was this nostalgic dive down the Susie Boggess rabbit hole, Donna. Those were back in the Mary Chapin Carpenter days, too. Let me go there. Yeah. I wound up, because, you know, YouTube picks up on your algorithms and things. Mm-hmm. And so it cycles into a performance from the 93 CMA Awards of He Thinks He'll Keep Her by Mary Chapin Carpenter. And are you ready? Mm-hmm. Backed up on stage by Susie Boggess which is why they fed me that video. Mm-hmm. Patty Loveless, Trisha Yearwood, and Kathy Matea. It was awesome. Was it? Yeah, it was good. Okay. <laughs> it was good. Good, awesome. It was, it was okay. okay. It was okay, but it was nice to see all the ladies out there. And I, I, I started thinking about this, Donna, that, you know, there, there was a certain group of women, female artists, the ladies of country music, that, that first led the ladies charge. And I think that you would agree, some would include uh, Tammy Wynette. Yep. Kitty Wells, who sang It Wasn't God Who Made Honky Tonk Angels. And if you remember, Donna, back in 1952, you were just a young 10 years old. Uh, okay. No, I wasn't. Okay, stop. I wasn't even born. <laughs> Kitty, in her, her song, which was a, a, a response song, an answer song, to one of the guys who was talking about how the, the men are chasing the women, you know, that was the theme for country music back in the 50s. And she name-checks uh, a song by Hank Thompson in her answer song called It Wasn't God Who Made Honky Tonk Angels. Loretta Lynn, come on. Loretta, would you not put her at the front of the oh charge? Oh, my God, totally. The best. Loretta had more songs banned from radio than every other male country artist combined in the 20th century. Yeah, she she was a rebel before her time, for sure. Loretta had 14 songs banned during her career from, from radio because of controversial subjects like... Uh, the pill, which was about yep. birth control. Um, there was Ones on the Way, Rated X. Dear Uncle Sam was a song from Loretta about um, being widowed by the draft during the Vietnam War, and it just became very controversial. I started thinking then about the Mary Chapin Carpenters from 93. Remember, I'd just seen her perform this song live you know, on YouTube, but, but from the 93 CMA Awards, and I listened to the lyrics. And I started thinking, Donna, that, that truly Mary Chapin Carpenter was another one of the, uh, you know, 20 years later, I guess, was 15, 20 years later, kind of also recharged the, the fight, if yeah. you will. Here's the opening lyrics. She makes his coffee. She makes his bed. She does the laundry. She keeps him fed. When she was 21, she wore her mother's lace. She said forever with a smile upon her face. She does the carpool. She PTAs. Doctors and dentists. She drives all day. When she was 21, she delivered number three. I mean, get out. You are 29, 29, but even at 29, how do you have time to do the dishes and the laundry from, from birth and kids? 
And every Christmas card showed a perfect family. He thinks he'll keep her from Mary Chapin Carpenter. Yeah, that was a great song. I will say, I think it's interesting that like now, um, I mean, because it is like if you think back to that time, like these women were like putting out some songs that had a message, a very strong message. Definitely had a message, more of a feminist message. And then, you know, you fast forward how far we've come as women and as a society and everything. And you think about some of the things that were going on with the Dixie Chicks and how controversial some of that stuff was. And I'm not even talking about their political stance. I'm talking about like Earl. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was a huge deal. Like, oh my gosh, they're going to kill Earl. Well, they murdered somebody. Right. Which, they murdered Earl. Which they should have. I love that song. But the point of it being that that was almost like controversial. And you think about where we've come. It's almost like country radio in a way went backwards, you know, f- for women. Um, Red Racktop from Tim McGraw. You spoke of that yeah. uh, song in yeah. a previous episode. So then my next video that pops up after the live performance of 93, the CMAs, Vince Gill was a host even back then. It rolls into Patty Loveless, Donna, from 1994. You don't even know who I am. Did That's you hear me? Did you hear me singing Sunday night? Uh, I think you were upstairs. Maybe. I was in the I was in the keeping room, Donna, and I was singing at the top of my lungs. I mean, you forget about the hits that Patty Loveless had, and she lives here in Dallas, Georgia. I believe she still does, which is west of Atlanta. Nobody beats the high lonesome sound of the Kentucky Hills like Patty Loveless does. Uh, just the first uh, verse from. You don't even know who I am. She left the car in the driveway. She left the key in the door. She left the kids at her mama's in the laundry piled up on the floor. She left her ring on the pillow right where it wouldn't be missed. She left a note in the kitchen next to the grocery list. It said, you don't even know who I am. You left me a long time ago. You don't even know who I am. So why do you care if I go? Mic drop. Jesus Christ, Patty Loveless. Why why was why was the 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 message in this song not explored more back in ninety-four? I got to Atlanta to the former kicks in ninety-four when I was nineteen years old, and I remember playing the piss out of this song and I really liked it, but I never re- listened to the lyrics until Sunday night. But if you think about it, there probably weren't a lot of twenty five years later. But there probably weren't a lot of females working in country radio in programming positions. I mean, now there are so many women in programming positions, you know, and like, um, you know, Leslie Fram, who runs CMT, the president of CMT, who's made, you know, women's initiative such a huge deal. But I mean, a little overboard, whatever. Yeah, a little overboard at CMT. with Okay, well, maybe she's trying to right the ship from where it was. But the point of it is that these men, can you imagine these women putting these songs out and you have these crusty, dusty old men working in programming positions? And back then, like we've said before, they actually had to come in and play songs for people. While they stared at your boobies. Yeah, and probably the people... Across their desk. Probably the people that were coming in to play the songs were like regionals that were men. I mean, again, there weren't a lot of Trudies and people like that. Right. They also broke barriers in the record business by you know, coming out as females and, and working in for labels and so forth. Interesting. I wanted to do just a little musical little, uh, segment. A little walkthrough. We, we both, you know, have been in the country music industry basically our entire lives. And yeah, I, I love you know, it. And, and, and so we like to pull country music into the podcast every now and then. Yeah. The University of Alabama. From one set of women to another. Here we go. The University of Alabama has the largest fraternity and sorority community in the nation. The University of Alabama typically sees about 2,200 women participate in in recruitment, which is also known as Rush, which just wrapped this week, not only at the University of Alabama, but for most colleges and universities nationwide. On TikTok, right now, 
the sorority rush process at the University of Alabama has drawn a massive following on the uh, TikTok platform. Three big hashtags, Alabama Rush and a couple of others, have been viewed almost 20 million times. And why don't you explain, Donna, what these videos, uh, what they show, and then I have the audio of one that we'll share with you. Yes, it's basically... um Alabama goes first. Alabama and Auburn are first. Now Georgia's doing doing Rush. Tennessee's doing Rush. But Alabama goes first. And it's insane. We're, I want to talk in a minute about my, I was Rush chairman for my sorority, Zeta Tau Alpha, Georgia. And it was nothing. I mean, it was like this a little bit, but it didn't have the social media element. But these girls get on the videos. And basically, this is how it goes. Hi, my name's Mary Claire. I'm from Mountain Brook. My shirt is from uh, Magnolia Boutique. My jeans are from Free People. My bracelet's from my dad, grandmother. My other bracelet's my Cartier bracelet that my mama gave me. I can't lose it. I got my ring on um, for a graduation gift, and my shoes are from DSW. It's like they're on the Grammy red carpet or something. They call it the OOTD, the outfit of the day. Get out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Had Did this happen before this year? Well, Girls do this on TikTok, like if they're going out or something, you know, they all line up and they come up and they're like, and it's, it's very like, it's not like it's from Dolce & but I mean, it's this mix and match. Wrong. My earrings are from Etsy. I mean, it's like, you know, this is from Marshall's, but then, like I said, they'll pull out the dead grandmother's Cartier bracelet out of nowhere. But yeah, this has been going on, but now they've turned it into sort of like day one, you know, here's what I'm wearing. And they're all wearing the same thing. How many girls do you think do not make the cut? And they say it's about 200 that don't get in. Okay. Here's an example from a content creator on TikTok in a University of Alabama, uh, Rushy, Alex Chanel. So this is for Sisterhood Day One for Bama Rush. So this is from South. This is from my mom. These are from Pants Store. These are Tory Burch. And then I what? had on like some nude like sandals. Okay, this is from Vici. These are from Target. This is from Versona. Um, Pandora, Pandora, Alex and Ani, my mom. Um, I did not wear a necklace. That's her Thanks roommate. for staying on Rush TikTok. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye, dear. Little, uh, <laughs> whatever your name is, little girl. Well, they have to have two names. Little Mary Alex. Claire, Mary Claire, Sarah Alex. What are these companies? They're I know just, Kendra Scott. Kendra Scott. They're just different I, I companies. See, I don't even know that one. Like Shine. Shine is one that they all wear clothes from. That like the clothes come like sixty sizes too small and they fall apart after two days. Um, Vici, you know, is online. It's a lot of online retailers, but like they all wear these free people shorts. They wear the Hoka shoes, the OnCloud shoes. I mean, like if you would just want to know what teenagers are wearing, just go onto one of these TikToks. I got. I went down. You were talking about a rabbit hole. I got on this early last week. Because it just kept coming up. It's kind of like that uh, William White kid that mm. came up for a while. But he's gone. And now Russia's gone yeah. because they all bid yesterday. Um, I will say, I th again, putting on my mom hat, I think there is also something here again. We're just setting these kids up for like, oh, just so much. Like there's, you know, there's happiness, but then there's also tragedy. Because I have a lot of friends who their daughters went to they go to Alabama or they go to Auburn and they go through Rush and they're dead set on getting in one sorority because there's also, you know, on on TikTok and on other platforms, they rank these sororities in a way. So it's like if you're not in the top sorority, then you weren't good enough or the and it's just all based on like biases and how people feel. But there's girls that go to school 
And their parents have spent four, you know, four years of high school and, you know, getting them ready. ACT prep and all this stuff, getting them in school. And one day destroys everything because they don't get in the sorority they want to get in. And there are so many girls who have called their parents and said, I want to come home. Stop. Because no. they did not get into a sorority. Yes. Because you have to remember they're living on residence halls together. So, you know. The girls who get in sororities, the sorority sisters come over and they decorate their doors and, you know, welcome to our new um, AGT baby or, you know, whatever, Zeta girl or whatever. And then they could literally be their roommate living in that room with a decorated door that didn't get in a sorority. You want to talk about feeling like an outcast? You know, and there's plenty of people who decide not to rush at all. And that's different because you're making that choice. But for girls who have their heart set on it, and, you know, as a parent, yeah, you can pull the, um, no, you're staying there. But again, we all know there's nothing scarier than an unhappy kid, you know, 200 two, miles two 300 miles from home. Um, when it, It's very interesting. Some things have like stayed the same since I was at Georgia and some things have changed dramatically. I was telling you like, you know, UGA has a huge rush too. And um, you go on buses and I, you know, you, you go it's it's a long process i mean it's seven days it's exhausting and when you have a new outfit for every day with matching yeah. earrings and and shoes and we we did but bracelets. i mean it, not again not to this extent because it wasn't all out on social media so it wasn't like everybody showed up in the same outfit you know and 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 i don't mean this to sound bad but they all look the same they all have the same hair it's all curled the same way they're all wearing the same free people shorts so we're in I, alabama specifically well, you're saying at georgia everywhere okay. this is going on because of social media because if you don't have those shorts on your mom has probably driven or or been on the internet trying to find them because that's what we do to make our kids happy but i will say like when i was at georgia there was a lot of independence like you could see you know there's sporty girls there's you know, all types of different girls. They didn't come in, everybody looking the same. But um, it's it's a huge machine. Like, you know, yeah. You were a Zeta, right? I was a Zeta. At Georgia. I was a Teak for about a year at Western Carolina University in Culloway. I was a social director. And we'll bring some of those stories into the podcast. Yeah. Soon. Yeah, we were comparing our experiences with Olivia. And I Olivia's was like, our 18 year old senior who's getting ready to go to college. We're at the kitchen table last night after dinner. And yeah. And I was saying, you know, our, she was saying, gosh, the house tours are unbelievable. I said, you know, the houses are beautiful. The houses at Georgia are beautiful. I mean, they're literally like something out of Architectural Digest, although ours was not quite there at that point. We had a house mother, you know, just things like that. And I was saying, you know, in a sorority house, you can't drink in the sorority house. So you go, you have socials and you go to fraternity houses to do the drinking and the partying. And you were like, that wasn't my experience. I said, Olivia, that's not the way the Teaks did it at Western Carolina. I said, we didn't even have a lock on the door. Yeah. We, nobody had a key. Anybody could just walk right in, uh, drinking all day, all night. Um, only two brothers could live in the house. It was very small. Yeah. And in Cullowee, North Carolina. So we didn't have the same experience by any stretch. Well, and depending on where you it go. It reminded to... me going, I'm sorry, remember, reminded me going back and forth with one another at the table with Olivia, that SNL sketch, one of my favorites of all time, where the alien abduction happens. <laughs> yes. And they're, the one woman is, one girl, I forgot who the, the the cast members are that do the skit, but one is pitching her, oh, it came, God spoke to us through the clouds and the sun and it was just a wonderful experience. And the, the other woman who was abducted is like, well, I, that's not my story. Listen, they... They slung me over a Popeye's chicken and, and <laughs> slid my pants off and I okay. you know, went okay. with my tutor and my rooter up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah, that was my experience. Different experiences. Yes. Now, I will say this. Rush is very timed. And there's like, 
I mean, it is a process, like everything. I was laughing at the videos where they were trying, like if somebody was trying to leave with like a red solo cup, they'd tackle them because you cannot leave the sorority house. Again, at big universities, everything is really controlled by the Panhellenic yeah, Society. Yeah, yeah. And so you cannot leave with like a, anything, a napkin, a red solo cup. And so everything like has to be, the time that you out on the porch has to be timed. The time that the girls get on the bus has to be timed. So I, because I was rush chairman, we had a little bell. I'm sure they have something else now. But it was like just a little like dinner bell. And so you would start ringing the dinner bell ever so slightly when it was time to move the girls out mm. onto the porch so that they could start to get onto the bus. And then we'd go out on the porch and sing our silly songs. Cheer and stuff. for them. Yeah, cheer for them. And I started talking to somebody and I didn't know it. And I was like, just, you know, dinging my bell. I had no idea. And so they, everybody, like 200 sisters start all moving out onto the porch. And I'm like, oh my God, because you cannot be outside before a certain time. And they have literally have people from Panhellenic that are watching every single house, timing it and everything. Panhellenic, what is it again? It's like the, the, the governing body, body. Yes, of all the sororities Greek, and fraternities, yeah. Greek life. And so everybody went out on the porch. We got fined like $1,000. Did you have to pay that? Or did no, Charlie the, they or did. No, Zeta did. But I was like, I, I wasn't ringing the bell. I'm like, get them back inside. And it was just, it was crazy. So what is the appeal for these videos that have gone viral on TikTok? They're like a mini reality TV show. You get to live, Donna, as a sorority pledge or rushing a sorority like you did when you were at your big college or, you know, for you, it was the University of Georgia. The appeal of sorority rush videos, it's like the escapism that they have provided to you, Donna, while you've watched them. And I think that people are just intrigued by sorority specifically in the South. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people from the North and, you know, from the West Coast that were, because I saw I saw even celebrities watching them and their reactions and they're like, wait, does this really go on? I mean, people just couldn't believe that, again, as far as we've come, that we're shoveling girls on buses. And then, you know, they bring them into, into the stadium. On yesterday, they took all these girls into the stadium. Into the football stadium? Yes, they hold them. They send them out and they put them up in the stands. And then they put a hu- on the on the countdown clock. It's like draft day for the I'm NBA. I'm not even kidding. So they're all holding these papers that are sealed in envelopes. And then they have a countdown clock. And it goes 10, 9, 8. And all these little girls have posted their um, cameras facing them so they can get their reaction. And then they all open them at the same time. There was a lot of questions from people that, like, if you don't get a bid, is your envelope empty? And that would hurt. The answer was no, but it does say something like you did not match or something. Can you imagine those? And all your friends matched around you it, and they're celebrating and crying. And like and- it, it gives me like deep agita just thinking about it. Because I will say when I went through Rush, I wasn't a legacy. No one in my family had gone through Rush at Georgia. My sister didn't. So it was just like kind of flying blind. I also didn't go to a Tony private school here in, in the city. I went to a public school. Um and it was myself and another friend of mine who from high school that ended up and we weren't great, great friends in high school. We became great friends. But um, we both pledged together at Zeta. But I, I say to everyone, like, because like even the girls who asked me, like, did you have tons of recommendations? And I was like, it was just almost like it just happened. And I think that's why I'm so fascinated now when I look back over the whole process. I'm like, the amount of energy, effort and time now that is put into it yeah. is insane. When talking with Olivia last night, our high school senior, we were explaining to her that while there could be a Teak or a, a Zeta uh, chapter chapter on every campus or, or not every campus in America, some schools have particular frats, some schools don't, some have particular sororities and some don't. 
and so we were talking about how you kind of each chapter at a different university or college, they kind of have their own uh, Flair, thing, thing yeah. going on. So what were the Zetas at Georgia when you were there? What, what was your blonde? Like, your Plinko. Okay. That, and I'm being honest. I, I said this to Livy last night. I, and that was the one thing I will say. I did, well, some of the sororities, but I thought it, it is a little bit more diverse now, I think, going through Rush. I think, I don't know that 100%. Um, I, it was blonde. The one brunette chapter member we had was the girl I was talking about that came with me that was also from my high school. And I remember when we, when we, you know, they call it running home when you, you know, you find out what your, you know, which sorority. Did you literally run from the football stadium to that house? I think Alabama does. Ours, you, you rode on buses. Like if you were. My God, I'd be winded. Like if you were, you know, there was a Zeta bus, there was a Pi Phi bus, there was a AOPI bus. And then that bus, put, and I'm talking about, these are the huge college you know, buses yeah, that you ride yeah, to get yeah. to school and they pulled up in the house Leisure and then, coaches. yeah. And then you came off the bus and you, you found, you know, somebody had your name or whatever. But I remember her turning to me and saying, I don't know that I'm going to fit in here. Like everybody's blonde. Do you want to know what we were known? What are, I don't know. I really, the, the teaks of Western Carolina. Well, why do you, <sighs> why don't you, why don't you like embrace the things that, that I did? Okay. For that year and a half that I was there. All right. What were they now? Uh, we were the stoners. Okay. Yeah. And just very, just fun people to be around. Everybody loved the Teaks. You know? I mean, we we, we didn't have a big GPA. We didn't have a whole lot of money. Our, our doors didn't lock. Um, but well, we were just fun is, people to be around. That is you know? true. Everybody he, liked us. That is true what you asked me earlier. We weren't just blonde. I mean, every sorority and fraternity does sort of have a flavor. We were kind of like, um, like, like kind of girl next door girls. You know, we didn't have a ton of cheerleaders. We didn't have a ton of athletes, um, but we were just um, just regular, you know, regular girls. We did a lot of philanthropy too. Like we to did point too. Out, you know, for and uh, I think boot drives and things like that. Sororities and fraternities do do a lot of philanthropy, and I think it's interesting too because, like, three years ago, um, probably two years pre-pandemic, rushing in the Greek organizations had gone way down. People just weren't as involved and there were a lot of people who at the time thought they might just kind of die off um and i will say i think after co this after covid this was probably one of the largest rushes at most universities and maybe it's because these kids are so dying to be around other kids you know what i mean and be around people preston thompson is the producer for the my second act podcast pt is also a did you officially graduate Yes. Okay, yes. from the University of Alabama. Well, you <laughs> were a, failed. What a question. Well, well, but you were a failed music major, but yeah. you then shifted to communications. Yeah, yes. I, I majored in like seven different things. Yeah. So you were not involved in Greek life at Alabama. I did get a bid. I did do okay. the, the male version of Rush, which is hilariously different than the female yes. version. Talk about that because I was a legacy, and so I didn't have yeah. to rush. Well, and my, my now, dad was a teak. My now wife did uh, Rush at Alabama, and she was in a sorority when we met, and then she dropped the sorority the the year after. But but male Rush at Alabama is just. On a Friday night, I found somebody from high school I knew, and we just walked down the street, and we walked into all the different doors, and people said, hey, how you doing? They gave us a drink, and then we went on to the next one. Like, yeah. it is the easiest thing in the world, and it's so hilarious how for the women, it is this unbelievably Expensive. stressful, yeah. pressure-cooking experience. But my, my junior year, you were talking about the run from the stadium to their houses, my junior year, they have the road blocked off, and we went right up to where they have it blocked off, and we brought a couple lawn chairs, we brought a cooler, 
and we sat there and we watched it like the running of the bulls like you'd go see in Spain. They just come down the road and it's just like it's a sight to behold. They're all wearing the same thing. They're all going to different places. They're like losing it. People are tripping over each other. Crying. Were Fall- they falling down? Yeah. We're just sitting there watching. And it's like this is it's it's like 110 a degrees outside. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an absolute spectacle. Did, did either of you know either? Not either Cadillac. Did either of you know that? Alabama had the largest uh, Greek footprint of any university in, yeah. in the country. I, I did well, yeah, I did because when I went there, it was that was the case, yeah. And yeah. and I was a little worried about that to be honest because I didn't think I was going to do that. But you know, it's such a big school; it's like its own little town. If you don't want to do it, you can find something else. See, the challenge at a small school like Western Carolina, where I went, is if you do not do a fraternity or a sorority. When I was there in '93 for six months, there wasn't a whole lot to do on the weekends and unless you were a part of a Greek fraternity or sorority. Yeah. Bigger schools though, like Udonna with Georgia and, and PTU with the University of Alabama, there's obviously much more exciting things to do, you know, but we just didn't have those options. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the good things are, you know, it's like joining marching band or something before you go into high school that you do go in knowing people. Um, I, I don't want to say that, I mean, I, I loved my experience. I just didn't, it was a part of my life. It wasn't like, it was my whole life. I, but I do think with the social media stuff, it's it's kind of a slippery slope. And the one thing we had to tell Olivia last night, and I think if you have kids that are watching these TikTok videos and they're getting ready to go to college, you know, it's very important to also tell kids that that you don't have to do that, you know, to go to a school. Because I think there are also a lot of girls who watch this stuff and are like, how am I ever going to fit in at college? You know, like if this is all you're seeing for three days on your TikTok and you don't really care what kind of shorts you wear and that's not your thing. And so that's what we told Olivia last night is at different schools, there's also, um, you know, there are smaller sororities and fraternities and they're more into intramurals or this type of thing. It's really important to show every side to kids because what you don't understand, kids literally nowadays make decisions on where they're going to go to college based on TikTok videos. Oh, they party too much. Oh, they don't party enough. Oh, I like I don't look like that group of girls. So I don't look like that group of boys. But that's just a screen grab or a three second video of, of that an entire collegiate experience which you could have if you went there. But remember the three of us didn't have that. We had a brochure mm-hmm. and we went and visited a campus. And you would look up at buildings and say, Well, that's kind of cool. I hope I find people I like. Or oh look at those people playing soccer. That looks like fun. You didn't have basically a video blog vlog of everything every minute going on at every campus. I think it's dangerous. Nothing you can do. Can't put it back in Pandora's box. But I think as parents, that's why I'm constantly trying to have the conversation, you know, because you you may have one girl in your family that's going to rush and you may have one that doesn't. But what you don't want them to do is think, here we go again, my entire high school experience where maybe I haven't fit in or I wasn't a cheerleader, or I wasn't this, it's going to continue through college. You will find, you'll find your people, you know. Why do you think, PT, that the University of Alabama goes viral very easily on, on social media platforms like TikTok. And and I'll say, remember the Morgan Wallen story mm-hmm. uh, when he was, you know, uh, retired from SNL and he was going to be the musical guest because he was during, during the pandemic kissing on all the blondes in Alabama and it just went viral. Had it not been for TikTok, Morgan Wallen, uh, Lauren Michaels would have never heard of that. You know, he would have never learned of that. And, and, and the show would have gone on for Morgan. Why is that the case? Uh, it seems that the University of Alabama uh, just trends an awful lot. We've got kind of a nasty history with it that maybe we can get into some other time. And I think that's like a, uh, what's the word? It's like a schadenfreude for people on TikTok to like, 
Okay, stop right there. I'm from yeah, North Carolina. Yeah, it's German. That? Yeah, so like taking pleasure in other people's uh, pain. embarrassment, okay. pain. Right. Yeah, and I think that's part of it. The fact that it's like so endemic, people think, to Alabama. And I, I honestly thought too, like the year before I went, I was pretty scared to go because I didn't really want to do that. And I remember my brother told me there are around 30,000 people that go to that school. Odds are pretty good that at least one of them wants to be your friend. So it's basically a little mini town, but it is very endemic to, to like Alabama culture, at least how people perceive it from the outside. Cause, and those accents, it's just very entertaining to watch those accents and have them. Well, and I think as a parent, the thing that you parents think about when they watch that is like, where in the hell are they getting all this money to buy? I mean, these kids, it's like insane, the entitlement and, and you know, it, I don't don't know I think it's just as triggering for for parents who are watching it because it's like my gosh when you're finally back home and your kids are at college and 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 the pressure of going to college is one thing and and then then to add the pressure like you said PT of pledging a sorority or a fraternity and the pressure that comes with that and the the peer pressure and all different kinds of pressure I mean it's got to be just yeah and it's certainly it's really stressful yeah and it doesn't stop for these girls at rush I mean you have to remember that as it goes on the next thing that's going to come up is oh it's the first football game what are you wearing you know who are you dating are you dating anyone from this fraternity oh that's not a very good fraternity so it just keeps amping up i just like gosh what fraternity was hugh in again the peanut farmer that you dated at georgia he wasn't a peanut farmer he was an ato all right great conversation thank you pt i want to point out that donna has a piece of furniture on the showroom floor right now at gallery furniture that uh, she's bought herself and she buys a lot from from the showroom for her home but she was so proud of these beautiful accent chairs that were just delivered last week from jay furniture uh, made in america in armory mississippi to be exact and it's a i'm colorblind donna those are pretty. That's a, a beige i believe well, it's like a sand sand chairs very modern um, do, 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 do. i'll give you like yeah. some price to write theme song as you describe gorgeous it. pillows do, 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 yeah very modern wood like legs on them yeah and these these would be great for like we kind of have like we have one of these in our keeping room it's great if you have like kind of a little nook that you want to create like maybe a little reading area or something like that but that's the thing too i think that i get asked a lot about gallery i think people assume because they have been in business so long that all of the furniture is very old um and the furniture is not old it's very modern it's you know it's it's just because they have been around forever does not mean that they don't have all the latest styles and fabrics 16,000 square foot showroom and warehouse, 1600 Brownsbridge Road, Gainesville. Hashtag ask for the Wolfman. Hashtag ask for Donna. And uh, ask for Marilyn, Donna's daughter, the Wolfman's granddaughter, who, who really runs the show at the Gainesville store. Gallery, furniture, Gainesville. In 2009, I met LeClaire Bryan. LeClaire is Luke Bryan's mother. I first saw LeClaire, Mama LeClaire, as she's called. She was sitting outside Luke's bus, sitting on a 60-gallon roll cart trash can, wearing a bathrobe, and smoking a Salem menthol with an ash as long as Freebird. That's long. Because Luke wouldn't let her smoke on the bus. And so I didn't know who this was, this person was, this bathrobe bandit. So I stopped, and I said to myself, Self, you've got to get that story. Having no idea, again, who she was at the time. So I introduced myself. And uh, she was uh, aware and, and a listener of of Cadillac Jacket Kick, so we 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 hit it off immediately and and um, just became really really good friends. And so I convinced Mama Leclaire to really become a character on the morning show. 
at the former Kicks 101.5. And it became a running bit for years. And Donna, every time that Mama LeClaire was on the morning show, because we kept meticulous notes about what was done at what time, so you could see rating spikes and things. We would see in the ratings that every time Mama LeClaire was on, we saw a little spike. I'm sure she is such a character. People loved her. Everybody, myself included, loves Mama LeClaire. And so I wondered how long Luke Bryan was going to let this continue. Because I I knew that he knew that I would ring her up out of the blue and that she'd come on the morning show. We didn't go through management for this. We didn't go through the record label. Um, and, And there were times when Mama LeClaire would reveal things that were not out yet. Yeah. Whether about Luke's career or an album or songs or even his personal life. And so I wondered, how long is Luke going to let this happen? I think it was fine until he started getting a little more popular. I, I You know, you saw in his docuseries on IMDB TV, Dirt Road Diary, uh, Carrie Edwards, who's been his manager since day one. And, and Carrie always had a great relationship. Uh, we always had a great relationship. And she did with the radio station as well. And I, I think that it made Carrie nervous more than anybody because she knew me and and probably worried if you know i I maybe wouldn't take it too far at some point but you know i was always careful with mama leclaire i would let her go you know just let her talk just let her say what she wants to say and i would kind of step back a little bit yeah but i think that's where the trouble came i don't think carrie was as worried about you as she was mama leclaire there was never trouble and and, you know I, i i i don't think i ever took it too far and i certainly if i did wasn't done on purpose but um I just knew that Luke could very easily do a uh, a no caddy mandate for his mother. Uh, and what happened then is all these other radio stations nationwide started to learn yeah. about our relationship with Mama LeClaire, Mama LeClaire and how funny she is because she she is one of the funniest people. You see the jokes they play on her oh, on yeah. Caroline, Luke's wife, social media. Um, anytime there was a show in Atlanta, she, of course, would want to come see her son perform. And at, it was around 2012. And Mama LeClaire called me and she, Cadillac, this is Mama LeClaire, just that Southern accent from South Georgia. And she's wanting to fly in from Nashville to see him play probably Lakewood in 2012. But she had to be in Leesburg the next day. And the buses were going to Birmingham, which is totally different direction. And so Luke was going to put her on a groom's transportation. You see these vans, 60 shuttle stops a day, you know, from Hartsfield or whatever. And um, I, I told her that that wasn't good enough for Mama LeClaire and that she would not ride four hours in a wood panel minivan. And then I would do better than her son. And so we sent her down there in a town car. Oh, boy. Luke would always put her up at the shittiest motels. That is not true. She, he did. He did. And 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 this is a real big bone of contention with Mama LeClaire because by this point, Luke Bryan is he was, he's making money no, hand over fist. He and was he put just her, starting. You know that one hotel that's right there outside of the old Turner Field? where that bar is. And then there's that, uh, it's like a, like a comfort inn or something. That's where he would put her. And, um, I one day got her, she was coming to town and I got her a suite at, uh, I forgot where it was just to, um, just to kind of poke Luke a little bit because I knew he'd find out about it. And he told the story on whose show was it? Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea lately was the show. I looked for the audio and I can't find it. Here's why they're, they're kicking you to Paramount. What's their streaming thing? Is it Paramount? I guess. Yeah. To, so you have to pay for the clip and I'm not, willing to pay for it but you're not that invested in the bit um she has been a um part of my life for years and years and years and just well, what a, did what did luke say about what he said some dj yeah yeah you know you don't get credit which is fine but yeah trying to make me look bad D- taking care of my mother more than i am which he was, was trying to truth. say like she was just like stirring up crap we got mama leclaire some bright pink bedazzled kicks 115 
like women's spaghetti strap t-shirts one time. I'm sure Thinking, she wore them. Donna, but we didn't think that she would. We almost oh. did it as a joke. Yeah, they were just tight as could be. Uh, and we go to Lakewood. I think I shipped them to her, you know, down in South Georgia to her house or something. And we go to the show that weekend at Lakewood and Mama LeClaire is wearing her bright pink bedazzled Kicks 115 uh, woman spaghetti strap t-shirt. And it just looked inappropriate. Yeah. On every level. But All that wore, came to an end. She wore it. They will not let her speak to. No. To people no. now. Uh, Pop Peep, Nita Clark, uh, says, hey, Caddy, I'm catching up on episodes from last week, and I've got a fun fact. Are you ready, Don, for a fun fact? I am ready. You added, she's in love with a boy to the hype song list. The guy who was Tommy in the video was my teenager's youth pastor, follow me here, in the 2000s. His name is Jason Parr, and he still lives in Monticello, pastoring a church out there. Love the podcast. Have a great afternoon. How Nita. about that? Nita with the fun fact of the episode. Thank you, Nita. Tommy. Audio for this episode of the My Second Act podcast from Jimmy Kimmel Live and ABC TV, Fox Business Network, and Consumers Research, plus Alabama student Alex Chanel on TikTok. Our thanks to executive producer Carl Appen. This episode of the My Second Act podcast was produced by Thompson. Shit. That's the first episode I've done that in, and I knew that it was going to be a problem. Uh, produced by Preston Thompson, PT, host of the George Politics podcast and the Drafted podcast. New episodes on Tuesday and Thursday of Cadillac Jack, my second act, part of the Appen Podcast Network. Bye.